Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. This was a week of days run amok. Monday was, so that was a few days ago, uh, was one of the most frustratingly annoying days I've had in a long time. A series of things just kept going wrong. I was injured, and then I lost keys, and then my Perchio was destroyed. Oh yeah, that's the update. The Perchio was destroyed, and there was a lot of anxiety and angst on my part about what would happen. But it seems like the compromise here at this San Diego house is going to work out okay. The birds have gravitated to the planter in the back of the yard. For a while, they were landing right where the Perchio was. But then the smarter birds started going to the feeders, the new feeders, and the big planter right away. I think the finches were the smartest birds. I think that they followed that trail the quickest. And then came the red-winged blackbirds. I was really worried about my morning doves. They just, for days, didn't seem to pick up on the fact that the Perchio was gone and that they needed to go to this other part of the yard for their food. But I think by today... They know what they're doing. So it took them about four days or so to really figure it out, but I think they're going to be okay. And that makes me happy. So that was a partnership challenge that I think Nancy and I conquered quite handily. I did have a lot of emotions. I was really feeling my highly sensitive person side. But today is gray outside, but I'm feeling a lot better. Sometimes it's fun to write headlines of your life going on. This training is for the birds. That would be my headline about what happened for the with the move from the Perchio to the planter. How about Monday blues give way to looking on the bright side of things, despite drizzly weather. I had a game night the other day. Ah, how about this? Wee Mousy 
conquers pain. We timorous beastie, as my other, one of my literary friends pointed out, uh, referencing the Robert Burns poem of Mice and Men. So, is that what it's called? I think so. I'm not going to pause and look it up. But Robert Burns of Mice and Men, I think, well, maybe that was the name of the Steinbeck novel that is based a lot on the, maybe it was called To a Mouse. Let's try that. Um, so I ran into a field mousey who was eating a flower. Can you think of something cuter? Perhaps for yourself, but for me, it was amazing. And the little mousy let me get close to them and uh, did not stop chewing on the flower stalk. And so you can see that beautiful mousy in action and in a still photo on the Professor Forever Instagram page. Go there if you haven't been there. Had a game night the other night. It was lots of fun, as it always is whenever we visit and the macats come together. But I just want to say we played this game. So here's another headline. The game. Hot seat. Variation on Cards Against Humanity. This one requires, combines hilarity and loyalty. It's about how well do you know your friends. And so that was a lot of fun. Hey, what are the headlines from your life today? Well, I hope they're all great. And I hope it's the kind of headline filling, filled newspaper, imaginary newspaper filled with headlines that are all headlines that most people reading a newspaper would go, that's not news. I hope it's all wonderful, mundane, or terrific, but the mundane, if we can be grateful for the mundane, I think that really helps humanity. And that's what I want to say about running into that wee mousy. So I was struggling a little bit while I was walking, and then I saw the mousy, and I took stopped walking, and I took 10 minutes to talk with them and to photograph them and record them. And during that time, all of my pain, all of my fatigue just disappeared. So that's why the headline would say, We Mousy Conquers Pain. Anyway, I would like today to be a reading day. I got this story from my sister, for Christmas, I think. It is a very old story. Maeve Binchy is the way that I'm going to try to pronounce the name of the author. And so if you can find out something about its provenance, that would be great. But I feel like it's a very, very old story. And my sister knew that I would just love this story. Today, because I'm feeling better, I'm going to read this story by 
uh, Ms. Benchy. The story titled Audrey in a British accent. So kick back, relax, uh, take your shoes off, put your feet up, shut your eyes, and just listen and try to imagine all of the wonderful description and images that float up in this lovely story. Audrey. When old Miss Harris died, her black and white cat Audrey didn't know where to go. Audrey knew that some kind people thought it would be best if Audrey were put down too, but Audrey wasn't nearly ready to go, so she knew she must act swiftly. Choose somewhere to live and make herself indispensable and part of the household. The trouble was she didn't know people all the, all that well in the area. Living with Miss Harris had been easy and pleasant. Audrey had had no need to look at the alternatives, but now she must decide. She didn't want to live with the Wilsons next door. The wife had a very sharp voice, and the husband had been known to aim a kick at Audrey when no one was looking. The Wilsons had not been good neighbors to poor Miss Harris when she got old and frail. It wouldn't have killed them to bring her in a mug of tea in the morning. Audrey had longed to be able to make the tea herself, but Cat somehow couldn't do this. So she watched glumly as Miss Harris dragged her aching limbs from the bed and slowly and painfully got the whole show on the road. Audrey considered going to Eric. He was a pleasant man who had once given Audrey a whole fillet steak, but that turned out to be because he was drunk. It had been a mistake. He got the steak ready for himself and then left it on the floor. So naturally, Audrey had eaten it and been very grateful, and couldn't understand why he was going through the house, searching for it high and low. But even though Eric was good-hearted, and he had been kind to Miss Harris, he might be a poor choice because he was often drunk and was therefore unreliable. He could easily lock Audrey in the house and go away for six months, and she would be a cat skeleton when he returned. Audrey didn't really know many of the other households, so she went on a tour of inspection. No to the family who said shoo shoo before she came in the door. No to the retired couple who spelled out to each other that Audrey might have F L E A S. Imagine, apart from the fact that Audrey never had fleas, why would they think that if she understood the word, she might not also know how to spell it. No to the three girls who said a cat would be too expensive and they must not encourage it. No to the drummer who made the most alarming sounds unexpectedly with the drums and would unsettle even a calm cat like Audrey. No to the family with toddlers who were inclined to pick Audrey up by the throat and squeeze the breath out of her. Audrey wished that Miss Harris hadn't died and left her. She'd been such a nice lady, always digging in her garden and talking to herself. She used to say to Audrey, You're the only one who will really miss me when I'm gone. But I can't leave you, my treasure, 
because Henry would have me pronounced insane. Miss Harris hated her nephew Henry with a great passion. He visited her once a year and seemed displeased that she was still alive. He would jangle his change in his pockets and look around Miss Harris's house as if planning serious changes there after her time. After Henry's last visit, Miss Harris had been very upset. She went into her garden with a shovel and went digging at a great rate. Audrey had joined her to be compassionable, companionable. It was a great pity that Miss Harris didn't know Audrey could understand everything she said and was trying to answer her. All Miss Harris and anyone else heard was the one word, Meow. It was hugely irritating. Miss Harris had dug and dug, muttering that even Henry and a fleet of detectives would never find this. Audrey watched with interest as the good silver candlesticks and the great plastic envelopes of cash were buried near the delphiniums. Then Miss Harris went back to the house and rested. She rested more and more after that, with Audrey lying in her lap until the day she stopped breathing. Audrey hung around for long enough to know that Henry was livid with rage. My aunt must have had more on her estate than what she left in her handbag, he spluttered. In the will, Miss Harris had asked that the house and contents be sold and the proceeds go to an animal charity, with the rest of her estate going to her nephew Henry in gratitude for his annual visit. The rest of the estate turned out to be minimal very minimal. But everything was in order. Miss Harris had made the will in sound mind, and she had regularly been taking money out of her savings in cash. That was her right, and no trace of this cash had been found. Audrey hugged her secret to herself as she walked along the road in great doubt about her future, and when she reached her street, she saw a furniture van unloading at number 28. Miss Harris's few belongings had already been sold in aid of the animal charity. Audrey watched carefully from under the hedge as the goods were unloaded. No kennel. That was good. They didn't have a big barking dog. No bird cage. Good also. People with caged canaries or budgies were afraid of cats. No toddlers to take Audrey by the throat. The people moving in seemed to be a young couple, and this was going to be their first home. They were exhausted from the move, excited about the future, and worried about whether they would be able to meet the payments every month. Suppose one of them got sick. Suppose there was a recession, and there was no extra work. Then they would reassure each other with big mugs of tea, and walk around Miss Harris's house patting the walls and trying to summon up the energy to unpack the boxes. They were called Ken and Lily, and the more Audrey watched them through the window, the more she liked them. But she not, must not move in too quickly. They were tired and anxious. They wouldn't want another four legs around the place, another mouth to feed. She would do it gradually. Until then... She could sleep in Miss Harris's shed. Audrey found a sparrow for lunch one day and a field mouse. Oh, mousy! 
and a field mouse the next, but she was anxious to resume the nice meals that Miss Harris used to give her, a bowl of cat food that would build up her bones and make her glossy. On day three, she thought it was time to join them. She groomed herself carefully in preparation for the visit. She knew she must not frighten them, and she mustn't try to talk, because they wouldn't understand. They would think she was a whining cat, or a hungry cat, or a lost cat, when in fact she was actually interviewing them to know whether this was a good place to stay. If only there was some way to communicate to tell Lily and Ken that she would be no trouble, that in fact she had lived in this house for three years, that she would show them round the neighborhood. But the language didn't exist. They would think she was a hopeless stray instead of a new and helpful member of the household. Then suddenly, Audrey remembered the caller that Miss Harris had given her. It said, Audrey, and there was an address. When Miss Harris had died, Audrey had asked two passing cats to help her get rid of the caller. It would be pretty pointless if kindly passers-by kept delivering her back to an empty house when she was in the middle of finding a new home. But now, of course, it looked as if her old home could become her new home if she played her cards right. Audrey found the caller in the back of the shed and brought it with her when she went calling at Lily and Ken's house. They were astounded to see a black and white cat waiting patiently at the door, holding a broken cat collar in its mouth. They were more astounded by the address. Audrey, they said uncertainly, and so Audrey snaked around their legs and purred like an engine and offered her paw for a paw shake the way humans liked. We should find out where it lives, Ken said. Well, according to the caller, she lives here, said Lily. Lily was the soft cop, Audrey decided. The easy touch, even. Ken was more anxious. We'll have to buy it food and we barely enough to buy ourselves food. Ken was the one Audrey would have to convince. She tried to make herself look small, a creature that would hardly need any maintenance. She purred louder and louder. He was stressed and anxious, and it seemed to calm him. All right, we'll give the thing a week, he said. Audrey was home free. No one ever gets rid of a cat after a week. They were very nice, but oh, lordy, they were a very worried young couple. They went in a panic about repayments. Every night they went around patting the walls of Miss Harris's house, saying how nice it was and how it seemed like home from the moment they saw it. Then Ken's firm stopped giving so much overtime, so Lily said she would take an ironing. She had all the leaflets ready but didn't like to approach the neighbors. So one day Audrey, tired of the dithering, took the leaflets herself and she pushed them under people's doors or left them under flower pots and the ironing business began. Lily was astounded that so many people had heard of her. She said that word of mouth was incredible. Audrey knew it was mouth of cat, but it was pointless to try and tell anyone that. There had been no mention of Audrey being asked to leave after a week. They were very fond of her, and they slept on their bed, and she slept on their bed like she had with Miss Harris. 
a comforting presence in the night. And then Lily told Ken she was expecting a kitten. Well, a human kitten. And Ken got so upset, said they couldn't possibly afford it yet, and went out of the house banging the door after him. And Lily cried and told Audrey all about it, said they would have no kitten ever. They would never have enough money. They had been foolish to take on this lovely house. Audrey didn't understand. Either you were having a kitten or you weren't. Somebody had done something to Audrey and she couldn't have kittens. She would have liked one or two litters, but she thought that either you did or you didn't. She didn't know it could be changed midstream. But it was all making Ken and Lily so tearful. Audrey knew she had to do something fairly speedily. So she led them to the garden with a great deal of mewing and meowing and agitation and she scraped at the earth where she had seen Miss Harris burying the treasure. With her little paws, she scrabbled at the ground. She's like a dog looking for a bone, Lily said. God knows what we'll dig up, Ken said. Maybe some awful carcass of a long dead bird. No, I'm sure there has to be something important, Lily, Lily said. So Ken dug on and found the box and the wallets of money. A fortune that would mean they could go on living at number 28. They could afford a kitten of their own. They could afford even cat food for Audrey. She looked at them, beseeching them to do the right thing. They went into the kitchen and looked at the money. They said it must have belonged to the old lady. Poor old dear, she must have gone mad and buried it out there. Then they remembered Henry, the old lady's horrible nephew. Yes, of course they would keep it. You couldn't possibly let him have it. Audrey relaxed a little. But then they felt guilty. It wasn't theirs to spend. They must give it to the authorities. Audrey tensed up again and asked them what the authorities had ever done for Ken and Lily. But naturally, they didn't hear her. And then she saw them kissing, which was a good sign, and she was sure they had come to the right decision. Ken went back to the garden and filled in the hole so she knew that they had. And she didn't tell them about the silver candlesticks because then they might have started to feel guilty. She would wait until their kitten was old enough to be, to be demanding and they needed extra cash. Audrey settled down and enjoyed a bowl of expensive cat food. She wished she could tell Miss Harris that there had been a result. A great result. So I guess I screwed up a couple of times there, and I suppose that's not even a British accent. Who knows? But I had fun doing it. Read something today, scholar, in a different accent. It's a lot of fun. Wasn't that a great story? I'm so glad it worked out for Audrey and Ken and Lily and for the spirit of the old lady. Whatever you're doing, I hope you're having a better day than I was on Monday. I hope you're having the kind of day I am having today. If you like what I'm doing, if you appreciate the art, if you appreciate the stories, if you appreciate the reading, if you appreciate the laughing, go ahead, drop a buck or two into the coffee cup on whatever page you're looking at the uh, website. 
every little teeny plunk is appreciated and helps a great deal to keep this thing going. Thank you for listening and for always being there. And remember, keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever Professor forever Professor